Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Quirky HR. I'm sorry I missed you last week. We didn't have an episode. I was taking a little bit of a break, but we are back with an awesome new guest. I am joined by Marcus Sawyer. He's the founder and CEO of EQ Community, and he is an HR tech guru based out on the West Coast. So Marcus, welcome to Quirky HR. Dana, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about EQ Community, what it does, how you got into this HR tech sphere, um, and what you guys are working on now. Sure. So maybe I'll start a little bit with the journey. I had, let's say, spent the last kind of 18 years in HR tech, kind of entered the sphere when there were these things around called newspapers that um, used to have job adverts in them. So I was kind of part of that phase of disrupting that with a company called careerbuilder.com. And they were naive enough to hire me. They gave me some opportunities. I managed to get promoted every year. And then I ran kind of the staffing and recruiting division at Career Builder in England, London at the time, and then started to run part of Europe. So that was kind of my early part into it. And then again, somebody naively decided to hire me again. And I became the global head of digital innovation for the largest recruiting firm in the world. So I was an executive at Adeco Group, um, which meant I was buying, building and investing in HR tech companies. So I was scanning the market globally, had teams in London, Northern Europe, Singapore, all all around the world. And we were just basically looking at what was next. And so we decided to buy, build or invest in companies kind of I want to say six, seven hundred million dollars later, um, after making those investments, I kind of looked around and I, I felt like I was going at a fast pace and I just didn't really see any people that looked like me in any of the spaces that I got into. And um thought if I don't do anything about it with what I know, I'm not sure how it's gonna change. So decided to leave the Christie corporate lifestyle um and then go back into being an entrepreneur and set up an environment that really is to empower people from diverse backgrounds to get access to what I call the four C's. So really connections to help them become successful, community to be supportive, as well as the careers, which will ultimately lead to capital. So a little bit about my background and how EQ got started. I'm, I'm a, I do business like on a small basis, right? So like I work with small companies doing their human resources. So this idea of HR tech is, truthfully, like a foreign area of HR, you know, when I I often think about HR, like you're doing comp and benefits, you're doing recruiting, you're doing training, you're doing culture. Like, so can you talk a little bit about when someone says they work in HR tech, what does that mean? Yeah. So I, I think with, there are a lot of industries that have started to embark on a, a digital transformation in some way, shape or form. So my initial job at Adeco was to come in to try and transform. So it was a very traditional company, branches, 5,000 branches globally. And if you think of it like banking, right? So think of your bank today, um, maybe ask you a question like, when was the last time that you went into your bank? Oh gosh, a couple of weeks ago, probably. Yeah, so you got, do you, and prior to that, let's say 10 years ago, how often would you go into your bank? Every week when you had a paycheck to be cashed or deposited. Yeah. And and I think that like HR is kind of like, like in it, there's a, there's a lot of similarities between that and online banking because a lot of the stuff you can do person to person and there are some things that you can automate. 
So I feel like HR tech has really just been um, taking some of those processes and um, trying to automate them. That's one thing, but also trying to make them more convenient for the consumer. And if that consumer happens to be a HR professional or the end consumer happens to be an employee, so using technology in order to power that and enable that. So I think probably the first HR tech was like ATSs, right? Like, um, or maybe even before that, actually, maybe it was the job boards because then you needed to then. And so every time there's a kind of seismic shift, like whether it's the newspapers getting disrupted and the job board is like, well, now I've got these apps. How do I manage that? So then it goes into your ATS. Now I've got all these folks in my ATS is there something else I can do with that? How do I do performance reviews? Maybe there's an automated way to do that. So it starts to, it grows and grows. So it's really about kind of, uh, if you look, think of the software, like the tech as like a pipe, and then the data as what goes into that pipe, right? Like let's just say it's Coca-Cola or whatever it is that's going into that pipe. That's, I think that's kind of the combination of HR tech. It's data and software trying to make your life easier. I feel like the average HR person would be like, I can't handle technology. I can't handle change. I can't handle, um, you know, these artificial intelligence and all of that stuff. What, um, what are some of the benefits of bringing an HR organization or a company more in line with HR tech? Yeah. So when, when the, this kind of first dawned and started. What what happened was that people in their day to day lives had a kind of change, a seismic shift in their expectations on what technology was. So, like let's take the internet for example. Then you start to move a little bit further down the track, like 20, 30 years. You've then got Uber, then you've got Amazon. So everybody says that they don't use AI and HR does. They do every day, right? I think it's it's a crazy statistic like it's upwards of 200 million people that have amazon amazon's powered by a recommendation engine which is ai the great thing about amazon there's loads of great things i think about amazon but they don't talk about it as retail tech it's just amazon it's just like you're going and buying and i think we confuse it a little bit when we go b2b and we use these terms and terminologies that make it difficult to understand but really it's about convenience and personalization so um, can you get things quicker, faster, and more effective done? So like ordering your Uber or ordering your, your detergent from Amazon. And is it personalized? The next time you go in, do they know you and do they recognize you? And I think that's really how um, kind of, if you take that back into like, what, what are the benefits in HR tech? You can take a lot of the administrative work away and focus on more of the strategic pieces of your job if you leverage it in the right way and it doesn't have to be like huge big investments in crazy systems i mean for me one of the texts that i use is like a calendar uh like ai calendar right like that is tech but it saves me time um and it's helpful so i think kind of finding those areas where you could be doing better things with your time and bringing tech into that is, is, is probably one of the first places to start um it's interesting i I think there's two types of HR professionals. There's there's truly the administrative ones that are, you know, they their focus is on keeping the company out of trouble from a compliance perspective, right? You have to do employee files, you have to do I-9s, all of that. And then there's this 
this push of HR professionals who are really, like you said, that strategic position and that partnership and that um, big picture, how do your HR practices impact the organization overall? What are some things that someone can be doing from an HR perspective if they are sitting in that more administrative transactional state and they want to get to be a more strategic partner? Yeah, a really great question. Um, This is one of the challenges when you're trying to lead any change management, and that's what HR professionals will know at certain levels. It's like, how do you bring people along the journey? And I think a lot of the time, those that get the opportunities, and certainly for me, like a lot of the opportunities I've had, apart from a few, I've tried to create myself. So I think by staying ahead of what's going on, and bringing that back into your organization, you automatically become the go-to person. You may not know everything, but you'll know more than your organization does. So I think if you're in an administrative role, thinking about like, and even when like kind of back in the day when I was on inside sales, I never saw it as just like a dead-end job. I saw it as an opportunity to learn every time I made a cold call with somebody. And I think if you start to think through, hey, like, do these tasks need to be done? And if I want to get better, and probably because you're listening to this podcast, you do want to get better. You do want to move forward. What can, like, how much of my job realistically could be done by technology that already exists out there? And then you could ultimately become the person that programs that system or starts to drive it forward or starts to drive the change inside of the organization. So I think kind of really like deeply thinking about like the value you're adding to the organization is, is, is key and it's hard to do because you have to take a look at yourself and you have to say okay like am i really really driving value but again i think if you're listening to this podcast you absolutely want to to kind of fit in in the areas where humans add the most value which is around relationships building connections and strategic guidance it's interesting i have to i get not have to i get to sit on a panel in the beginning of october and it's it's the topic is literally what we're just talking about. Like from a business perspective, what does a business owner, a CEO, a president need in HR, need for someone who works in HR? And I think you're right. It's that that um, expert in terms of people, not necessarily expert in terms of just transactions. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And one of the things I like to think about is if you're in a strategic position or you want to be in a strategic position, part of your job is to be able to try and see around corners. Are you providing that value to the organization to predict things that may happen or take them to the next phase proactively? So I think being more proactive than reactive will really help you get there. So I want to learn a little bit more about EQ Community and how you partner with other HR professionals and organizations so you guys do diversity and inclusion, some hiring services, retention. So can you expand a little bit for our listeners in terms of what the platform offers? So one of the things that EQ does is really ensure that we can give companies the opportunity to get networked with new talent. And the way we do that is we have a platform called EQ Intro, where we can make introductions to high quality talent and the roles are usually over 100k and ensure that you've got 
that access for warm introduction to people that are outside of your network. Because the challenge with diversity and inclusion is if you want to be more diverse, but you don't have a diverse leadership team, or you don't have a diverse network, or you're trying to go on LinkedIn and connect with people, how do you meet with them? So that's really what we've created, that environment where we can plug individuals into companies and vice versa. And so you're vetting them on both sides, it sounds like, like you're vetting the companies that you're working with and also vetting vetting the candidates. So it's uh, huge value there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the the challenge has been like, how do you identify a company that is quote unquote inclusive, right? And so what we really look at is companies that are actually making steps towards that. Maybe they've ha- hired a head of B&I or Maybe they've started to drive things forward, but haven't kind of figured out how or they've got a champion internally. So we want to make it really easy to remove those roadblocks. And then as, from the individual standpoint, we have this community, which is like a, it's kind of a, a, a mini kind of business social platform. And we can tell by the contributions that you make to the platform, how you react to people, how you have conversations with people, as well as kind of the skill set, whether or not you're going to be a fit or cultural fit for some of these organizations as well. So the idea of a company really having an emphasis on DEI, I look at it as like marketing in a way, right? So if a company is out there and saying that we are we are taking on this DEI initiative and here's our careers website with, you know, three women, a, a, an African-American employee and a Hispanic employee, and that's our diversity and inclusion initiative. How... What are you seeing in terms of employers really doing a good job with DEI? Yeah. So it's it's quite crass and simple. It's like they put their money where their mouth is. And so they actually follow through on what they've said. And um, there's a couple of examples of that where, and so we, we focus on the mid to senior level roles. And the reason, there's a couple of reasons for that. But one of the reasons is like, hey, you don't want to just have like diverse folks just on the front line because then it's hard for them to move up. There's no representation. The second thing is it's actually better for your organization if you have diverse talent at mid to senior level because they can actually refer and bring more people in to the organization because you're figuring out like how do you get more referrals after that. So we we really start to see who's serious about it. If you're just trying to hire a bunch of folks on the front line, that's probably not for us. If you really want to, if you just need to get that kind of one board seat where you need a woman or one board seat where you need that African-American, probably not for us. But if you're starting something new and you've got a wide variety of roles, maybe you've got 10 or 15 different roles that you need to fill and you're just open to getting at least a representation of the population in the US, then that really starts to work with us. And, and some of the areas we work with are like tech, like if we take African-American for instance, like representations with like 3%, population is like 13%. So there's a, a long way to go. Um, so we really look at those organizations that want to drive that change and, and, and move things forward instead of kind of lip service in that area. And a lot of time is making that investment. Yeah, and that can obviously be frustrating on the candidate side, which your platform solves that issue in terms of ensuring that the potential employer is truly doing DEI 
correctly. What do you look for on the candidate side? How are you vetting those candidates? What are you looking for um, to ensure that they're meeting the needs of the, the clients that you guys have on the platform? Sure. Yeah. So, so a couple of the areas where, where I think super important, apart from like skills and experience that you're going to need for that particular role, but it's competencies and traits. So do you have capacity to learn and consistently learn? Do you, are your traits, are you helpful? Do you want to um, move things forward? Do you want to contribute to the community? And we see that um, inside of the community when people are answering questions on other people's behalf, they didn't have to do that. So we we really try and look at those folks that do that. And the other thing as well, we have a, um, so inside the community, once you become a member, so it's a private community, there's no charge to be part of it. But once you become a member, you're then empowered to be able to refer. So you become an ambassador as once you refer, and then you get badges based on what who you refer into the community. It's so, I that is so cool. It's, I feel like HR is generally pretty bad at networking, right? We don't, I don't think that we go into this career as with that in mind that we have to network beyond just having a job fair, right? Um, so what, what are some, do you have any recommendations for HR professionals in terms of using networking and platforms like this to find candidates? Yeah, definitely. So a, a couple of things that we we've seen that have worked so we looked at everything that works in the community as far as communication right you'll see on platforms like linkedin or even like maybe in your ergs like people posting up links of things that are going on news no one really cares right um people care about stories um they care about uh representation but the other thing that we started doing that we've seen has worked really well has been round tables so we host series of round tables every two weeks so we've got one Kind of coming up next week, which is on, or this week on retention. We had one last week that was on hiring, and we get HR professionals together that care about DEI, and they have that conversation along with the community, and that's been really, really helpful for us, but also really helpful for those individuals to kind of see how things, and then they can network. So if you find someone and you want to work, then that's fine. Like we don't, that's different to if you want to hire 10, 20, 30 people, whereas we'll start to come in and help you. So we provide networking opportunities for people that are outside of the EQ community and also inside so they can connect um, and just learn like some of the things that people are facing. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. I feel like that's a huge opportunity for someone who works in HR to start to get comfortable with the idea of networking. Um and have these conversations around stuff that actually matters to push your organization forward. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been, you, you learn so much as well, like whether it's us or that, or, or folks that are not in the community just yet, they bring a lot to it. I mean, we had this one guy, he was, he was an ex um, veteran. He'd been hiring for Verizon. Um, he'd been hiring like hundreds and hundreds of people. And he just had some perspective on, Kind of like what the army looks for, uh, the military looks for, and what the percentage, of, like kind of how that's made up and how they think through that as well. And I thought that was super useful. It wasn't necessarily us focusing specifically on kind of women or black people or African Americans, but getting another perspective as well. And that's what diversity is about, right? Like people bring something to the table that you didn't expect, and it enhances your experience. And there's one last thing that I will say just on this whole topic is 
we see DNI as a superpower. So it's not the nice to have, it's not a box ticking exercise. It will really change the way your organization can operate if you see it as a superpower, it's an added extra. And diversity is actually the end result of being an inclusive company. So just some things that we think about a lot there. Um, that that quote that you said was just that like hit me in the gut, but you're right. I think I forget what guest I was speaking to, but he said diversity is the data, right? How diverse your organization is just the numbers. The equity and the con- inclusion is the action, the things that you're actually doing to foster an environment that is inclusive and attracts people um, and makes them feel like they belong. Is the for EQ community the diversity kind of focus? Is it on all levels of diversity or just ethnic diversity, gender diversity? Yeah. So the so way we think about it is we think about groups that we would consider underrepresented. So in tech, for instance, like African Americans are underrepresented in tech, for instance. And that's been an area that we've started to focus on. And then also talent we consider underrepresented and untapped, right? So it's more like how rare are these individuals in this environment and how unique are they so they can bring something new to your organization? So we we actually look at the data and see kind of where people need help. And some companies need help in different areas. Like we we work with a lot of leaders that are like maybe good on the African-American side and they're black and they need help, but they want to get some more gender diversity in and so on and so forth. But our focus was initially on African-Americans and people of color um, in getting them into more kind of tech-driven organizations. I want to know how it feels for you to be making such a difference in terms of DEI. I, do you know what? I, I It just feels like it's the thing that I should be doing because I've had opportunities myself that have been, I would consider some of them have been serendipitous. Some of them have been um, less deliberate. And so, yeah, it just feels like this is what. What you're meant to be doing. Yeah. Where I can add value basically. Yeah. Well, it sounds incredible and it sounds like an incredible value add for any company that's looking at their DEI initiatives and looking to kind of, elevate their recruiting strategy absolutely where um can people find more about you and find more about eq community yeah so our domain is eq.community so it's just eq.community we also have eq.app so eq.app so that's where you'll find all our links if you're on linkedin you can find me uh marcus sawyer with two r's um at the end and yeah those are those are the kind of places where i generally frequent (laughs) marcus thank you so much for um what you do and also bringing an incredible authenticity to the conversation around dei so we're very appreciative no again i appreciate you having me on this platform dana and uh really enjoyed the conversation and discussion so thank you